Our lesson this morning comes from the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very same Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with Him so that we may be also glorified with Him. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. When you look around this room on the stage and, and you sit through a worship service, I wonder if you reflect just briefly on all the innovations in technology that made this form of worship even possible. I can remember back in the day when we started contemporary worship, you'd have a guitar player and an overhead projector. As long as you had a guitar player and an overhead projector, you could have you some contemporary worship. As long as somebody kept changing the, the, the pages on the overhead projector, but the lights and the, the, the cameras and the fog machine, which they won't run while I'm preaching, band gets fog. Preacher don't get no fog. They say I'm foggy enough when I preach anyway I don't need fog. But you just think about the, the technology and the innovations that allow this service to happen. And with each technological innovation, a preacher can tell you they had scars trying to bring that technology into the church. The first technology that came into the church, the church fought tooth and nail to keep it out. Do you know what it was? The organ. Organs were brought into the church about 900 A.D. The, the largest organ and the oldest one we have a history of in the English language was placed in the Winchester Cathedral in about the year 1000. That pipe organ had 800 pipes. It took two men to play it. It took 70 men to keep the bellows inflated while the organ played. It was so powerful that it could be heard not only in the walls of the church, it could be heard outside the church, it could be heard through the whole valley around Winchester Cathedral. And I know, because church people have not changed in all these years, that somebody went out of a worship service with that organ playing, and they said, Preacher, that organ's just way too loud. You need to turn that down before next Sunday. But on Pentecost... The cathedrals introduced a piece of technology that they only used on Pentecost Sunday. Cut up in the ceilings of many of the medieval cathedral are holes, trap doors, if you will. And what would happen on Pentecost Sunday is the servants would shinny up the outside of the church up on the roof. They would slide open the trap doors up in the, the roof that the... Uh, the canopies and the towers that the worshipers couldn't see. And on cue, servants would let go of doves inside the worship space. 
and the doves would fly around, and the choir boys at the signal would make whooshing sounds and beat on drums. So we've got whoosh, 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 the drums and the doves, and then at the height of curiosity, the priest would give a signal, and bushels upon bushels of rose petals were dropped down through those holes, the tongues of fire alighting on the members, and people would come for miles for Pentecost services as they celebrated this wonderful technology that made Pentecost come alive, but they celebrated the birthday of the church, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. I wonder if in the modern church movement we still have Holy Spirit holes We still have places in our lives where God's Spirit can get into our hearts and God's Spirit can get into our souls. I wonder if there are ways we nurture the presence of God's Holy Spirit. We do that through Bible study, through prayer, through small groups, through the taking of the sacraments, through having a minister, um, through speaking and listening. God comes into our lives and God stirs up that that spirit in our lives. And we need that spirit because the spirit of God has reminded us that we're children of God. We did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we are in fact adopted children of God. What Paul is telling the church at Rome is that God is doing this new innovation, this new thing. With this Jesus movement, not only are the Jews the children of God, now you Gentiles, you who have given your hearts to Christ, you too are children of God. And as the Holy Spirit moved into the church and as we have lived out our lives as Pentecostal Christians, because that's what we all are, we have been given the other innovation, the priesthood of all believers, that you don't need a preacher. You don't need a priest. You are, in fact, a priest before God. That you can stand before God the Father and make intercession and petition. That you can stand before God the Father and confess your sins and receive the forgiveness of sins. That's what happened on Pentecost Sunday, that that great day recorded in Acts 2 when the Spirit fell The Spirit changed those cowards, those men hiding in Jerusalem from cowards to bold apostles, men and women who would stand toe-to-toe with the Roman Empire and would overcome it, men and women who had such joy and such love and, and, and such fervent knowledge that God had forgiven them, that they were just filled with overwhelming ecstasy and joy. As a matter of fact, they were so happy in the Lord that the people watching Pentecost go on say they're drunk. In the introduction to Simon Peter's sermon, he had to say, they're not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. And you wonder what the rest of that sentence was that was not recorded for us. Do you have the Holy Spirit 
that active and that powerfully present in your life. Jesus promised the Spirit to His church. In the 14th chapter of John, as Jesus is doing what we know as the His farewell discourse, as He is preparing them to receive what we're going to take in a moment is Holy Communion and talking to them. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. That word advocate is the Greek word paraclete. And the word paraclete can be translated as advocate, help, helper, counselor, comforter. The King James does it as comforter. And I like that because comforter comes from the uh, Latin word fortis, which means bravery. So a comforter is with bravery. Being comforted is with bravery. And when you are facing a dark time, you need to have a little bravery in your life. And Jesus goes on and says, This paraclete, this Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And the Holy Spirit will bring you peace, not as the world knows, but the Holy Spirit's peace that comes from Jesus is the peace that passes all understanding. And, and Jesus promised that not only will that Spirit be with us, that Spirit will be in us. In us. That's where God resides, in your heart. He's not up there, He's in here. You don't have to beg and plead for God's presence, He's with you already. Do you have these holes in your life, these Holy Spirit holes that you allow for moments for God to surprise you, to speak to you, to encourage you, to say to you, you can do it? Do you have the Holy Spirit holes in your life where God whispers to you, I believe in you? You're my child. Don't live as a beggar and a slave. Live as a child of the King. Accept the responsibility and the privilege you have of being a child of the King. Just about every Thursday of the calendar, Marie and I go to drug court. And we're there as part of the drug court team. And Judge Rogers carries forth and leads us. And when the clients come to the little podium, there are two questions Judge Rogers will ask most of them. The first question is, and he started this just recently, the first question is, tell me something good that has happened to you since I last saw you. Tell me something good. 
I sit up there in the jury box and I try to work on the answer to that because I'm afraid one day Judge Rogers is going to turn to the drug court staff and say, okay, you guys tell me something good that's happened to you. Model this behavior. And I'm going, hmm, something good. Something That's become a Holy Spirit moment for me. Can you think about something good that has happened to you since last Sunday? I can get the judge to come to church, by the way, and I can have him stand up here and ask you, has something good happened to you? And, you know, they come up with pat answers that, that you know, I'm, I got a new job and or I did this or I did that. And some, some of the things they share that are good just bring tears to your eyes. You know, I've reconciled with one of my family members after all this. It's a powerful question. It's become a Holy Spirit hole in my life. I think about in those moments the good things that have happened, the good things that have happened to me, the good things that have happened to you. And sometimes you need to know I need I celebrate the good things that are happening to you. And he will listen and, and do whatever he needs to do as the judge. And then he asks a last question. And it almost sounds like a throwaway question, but last Thursday I heard it so differently. His last question is, is there anything we can do for you? Most of them say, no, no, Your Honor, nothing. They go sit down because they don't want to stand up there in front of people. And every now and then one of them will say, well, I I need to go to XYZ to, to visit my child or I need to do something and the judge or the... The group will get that approved. Is there anything that we can do for you? And I looked around the room Thursday when he said that, and I thought, good grief. There's a judge. There are a couple of deputies. There are a couple of clerks of court. There are at least two counselors there. There are... A whole bunch of other lawyers there. Um, Maria and I are there. And everybody in that room would do anything in our power to help that person succeed, to help that person overcome their addiction, to help that person change the course of their lives so they could have a bright preferred future. There are resources in that room that they can't even imagine that all they would have to do is to say, yes, I need something. And within the bounds of the law, all the resources in that room would come to bear on helping them. In the 16th chapter of John, Jesus continues to describe this paraclete, this advocate, and he says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. That advocate which is the same advocate, that image is the image of a Roman judge. Of a Roman judge meeting out justice. 
that the Holy Spirit, this advocate in our lives, is a judge not to condemn us, but to tell us what rights we have under the law, what privileges we have under the law. And as I thought about it, there's the judge image. And I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering to us in the name of the Trinity, what can we do for you? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are right here. We are ready to advocate for you. We are ready to help you. We are ready to comfort you. We are ready to guide you. We are ready to encourage you. What is it that we can do for you? Can you answer that? What do you want God to do for you? What's broken in your life that you want God to make whole? What are you afraid of that you would like God to remove or comfort you, come together with you with bravery? What is it? What is it? Or is there anything we can do for you? I want you to hear that question echoing in your ear as you come to communion this morning. I want you to hear the Spirit of God asking you, what is it that you need? What is it that you need to prosper? What is it you need to have capacity in your life to serve or be a good parent or, or, or have your work life succeed? What is it? that the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit can do for you. After all, we're being invited to a feast, the Feast of the Lamb, the supper that Jesus was at. We told him, my body broken for you. My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Come to this feast. And as you're coming, you and the Holy Spirit work on what you really need in your life. What can God in his love and grace do for you? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.